This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 49. One of the questions we often receive concerns the advantages of accelerated pilot training programs and time-building programs. Well, today I have with me to discuss this topic and to answer your aviation career questions, Eric Crump, Aerospace Program Director at Polk State College. Welcome, Eric. Hey, Carl. Hey, everybody. Hey, you know, I like to always start the show with something interesting we've done. And and one of the things that I got to do recently, I was doing a lot of turns out of New York City. And uh, and one of the interesting things about this day, it was the first day that I was able to go over eight hours. You know, under the new rest rules, we're supposed to rest more, but we actually get to fly more, too. We can fly up to nine hours as opposed to eight. I know that doesn't sound right, but if it's during the day, you can actually fly more hours. So it was the first time I legally was able to fly more than eight hours. That was really cool. But the real cool part of it was the fact that I, at night, got to come up the Hudson River and land at LaGuardia and do a visual into LaGuardia Airport. And if you get any, see any pictures, it's really neat to see LaGuardia. It's a, it's quite a challenging approach. Uh, it's quite a challenging type of visual approach, but it's lots of fun. And you get to see the, the lights. It's amazing. The lights of the city and the lights of the town. You, you can see the, the stoplights and you can see the green lights. I said, listen, don't land between those two. I was telling the captain, but it's amazing watching as you're going by all the different avenues uh, downtown in Manhattan. All of a sudden, you can see everything, and then it disappears. Then you see everything, and it disappears over and over and over again. I saw Times Square and all these amazing sights from the air. So that was that was kind of neat. That was like my little adventure for uh, the past week. Uh, how about you, Eric? I hear you've done something quite interesting. Yeah, the coolest thing for me in the most recent past, I guess, uh, just this last weekend, I uh, I did a full day of flight instructing again, which is probably the first time in over a decade I've spent my FA mandated eight hours in an airplane. It's been a very long time since I've been able to do that, but I uh, got an opportunity to, to uh, deliver a light sport airplane. Um, so I delivered it and did some training for four different people all day long. Just a ton of fun flying a new airplane, seeing people get excited, and uh, yeah, it was just a uh, just a uh, for fun thing for a uh, uh, actually a favor for a friend. So. So what what kind of light sport was it? It's actually called an Alto. Um, most people probably never even heard of it because it's brand new to the market. Um, there, are, I think there may be five of them in the United States right now. Um, but it's a little low wing uh, light sport with a big bubble canopy on top of it, so you have huge visibility. Uh, just a great little airplane to fly. Great for training uh, because it's got a big stubby wing on it, a big thick wing. So great low speed characteristics. Also, um, air conditioned. So. Oh, wow. Big, uh, big benefit for your Florida flight trainers. Yeah, air conditioning is really important. It's become very important to me. And, uh, you know, I used to be the, the air conditioning was a big fan in the front. And as they say, when that fan stops moving, it's, uh, it gets quite a bit sweaty in the, yeah, yeah, because of the fact that that big fan quits running. But, uh, usually you have to keep the door open. Well, Eric, I really appreciate your coming here today. And actually, that, wait a minute. I should tell the folks where I am right now. Uh, we have a little bit of an announcement that we're going to make at the end, but I'm actually in Lakeland, Florida right now, the home of Sun and Fun, and also the new home of something else. So what do, what do we have here today? Uh, you're at the new Polk State Aerospace World Headquarters. Um, the last time we got together, we were actually in Winter Haven at the Winter Haven Airport, 
which uh, was our, our original home when the program started a little over a year ago. And um, just uh, this is last January, we completed a move over to our new home here at the Lake Linder Airport, which co-locates all of our academic courses um, along with all of our flight training, everything out of one building. Um, and it's pretty exciting. Simulators everywhere, students happy. It's a good place to be. Yeah, it's a wonderful place to be. And uh, what I'll do is I'll put some links out on the website. And you guys can see some pictures. It's uh, polkstate.edu. It's really, really neat. The uh, simulator is real cool. I'm going to go jump in one uh, here at some point. As a matter of fact, I've asked Eric to do a little flying with me. I'm going to see if I can land one of those single-engine airplanes. Are, are you scared? I'm terrified. Yeah, I, w- I would be too, because I'll flare at 50 feet. I know it. <laughs> but anyway, getting on to uh, along with our program here, we we did get it, we do I should say get quite a few questions about accelerated programs. There's a lot of them out there, and one of the things I should do to be fair, I'm going to have somebody from uh, one of the accelerated programs on here. I won't tell you who it is because we're we're working with a couple different schools that have these type programs. Uh, personally, I've been through some of the programs. Actually, I've been through a, a couple of different programs. So. The, I'm going to talk a little bit about the advantages and also disadvantages of an accelerated program. And I, you know, there are quite a few advantages. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through some of these advantages and then I'm going to have Eric maybe add a few, but we're also going to give you some of the disadvantages of an accelerated program. So first, let's talk a little bit about the advantages of an accelerated pilot training program. Uh, first of all, of course, you can obtain all your pilot certificates in as little as six months. And that's, to me, that's, that's a real time saver. And, and when you say so, Eric? Absolutely. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, our academic program, um, it's stretched out over a two-year period. And, um, you know, I was talking with a student, uh, prospective student just uh, last week who is sort of in that position, you know, I have, um, you know, I have eight months of GI Bill benefits left. You know, I don't have two years to go through this program. And that's, that's an understandable issue. You know, that's a problem people have. And, and people are looking at what's going on right now with pilot hiring. And they're saying, you know, I don't want to wait two years. I don't think you're going to have a problem, but that's, you know, that's a different story for a different day. But, um, but, you know, so like, I want to take advantage of this right now. I want to jump in this, you know, this hiring boom that's going on. So they want to get done with their training as quickly as possible. And the accelerated route is, is proven uh, to do that in a really short period of time. Yeah, and that, that's a, a huge advantage is uh, getting it done uh, when you can get it done. I, I did the accelerated program for my CFI, and the reason was because of the fact that I just couldn't get away, and I had to get it done right away, and I had to start working soon uh, afterwards. So I just got the one, the, the single engine. Uh, I got my flight instructor in a single engine, and that helped me tremendously, again, to start making money right away. The other advantage to accelerated pilot training is is the structured education. There is structure to the course. You're going out there and you have to get through this course in a specific amount of time. The only way they can do that is through some type of structure in your education. And uh, that is not just true of an accelerated program, but it, it is very specific because there's no way you could get through an accelerated program without some type of structure. Right. You know, one of the things about uh, when you look at accelerated training programs, um, a lot of times you're going to be responsible for doing a lot of the upfront work before you show up for class. So most accelerated programs will require that you complete a knowledge test or that you have um, some type of, uh, if you're going in, for example, you want to do a commercial pilot certificate in an accelerated program, they're going to want you to already have all the requisite flight time and all that. You're not going to go in there and, and take weeks and weeks to build flight time. So there's always going to be some type of entry requirement um, in addition to the, you know, the the financing, but some type of stuff. You're going to have to do some stuff on your own, and they, they do expect you to do a lot of self-study, a lot of self-prep. It looks a lot like uh, the airline in-doc model, 
where you go to class, but most of the learning that takes place, you do on your own in your hotel room. And that's a lot of the accelerated programs, most of them that I'm aware of, uh, That that's the model. There's a lot of structure, but a lot of the onus of that structure is placed on you, the student. You have to be self-motivated, self-disciplined to be able to go through that material in a really quick uh, frame without a lot of instructor assistance because that's not part of the program. You know, one other addition to that is because of that structure and because it's accelerated, you have topics that are staying fresh in your memory, so you won't forget it from day to day. And that's also one of actually one of our points here is that it, through a accelerated program, the topics stay fresh. You know, you don't forget those; they don't leave out of your memory. You know, that's one of the things that that we try to emphasize too in in, in our program. That and this is a simple law of practice, right? I mean, if, if you go a month between flight lessons, what you learned is sort of fizzled out of your brain. You have to relearn that material again. One of the great strengths of accelerated training, in my opinion, is that you are, you're probably going to have between two and three flights a day, every day. And it's just going to be in your brain all the time. You don't really get a chance to disconnect from the material in any way. And again, that's why most of those programs are residential. You go and you stay in a, in a hotel or something with other people in that program. You don't go out and hang out. You don't go to the movies. It's, I mean, not that there's not social opportunities. Certainly there are. I'm just saying the focus is keep your brain in this 100% of the time. And by doing that, that material stays in your brain a lot better. So by doing that, you actually can have a lowered cost by having everything compressed like that. So therefore, you're not coming back and having to relearn things. You're also within there keeping things fresh in your mind. You don't forget things. You don't have to repeat. Uh, in general, because of the fact you don't have to repeat lessons because you haven't forgot it, and also because of the fact that it's a compressed schedule, you can actually save some money in some of these programs. Do you agree? I, I do, and there are a lot of accelerated programs out there. Um, and when you look at the the price, you know it it it's pretty nice. You look at the time frame, you look at the price, um, and it, it makes a lot of sense. There are also a lot of programs, um, you know, that offer more than just the certificates. That'll offer some type of jet transition program or something like that. When you look at those programs, you're going to look and see that the price is considerably higher. Uh, because it's it's that extra thing that you tag on to the end of it. So it, it really depends on your interest um, and what your focus is, you know, coming out of that accelerated program. Um, it's the, the structured piece and um, and the way the learning is conducted means that you can you can save a lot of money doing it that way. It really depends really on what you want out of the program. Uh, because if you want that that extra piece, it's going to cost that extra money. So that's where they cost can be lower, not necessarily lower. Uh, the other big advantage, and I, I tuned in on a little bit earlier, was the fact that you can start making money in aviation sooner. You can start making money right away. This was one of the reasons that I did it, of course, because I, I had some students lined up and I didn't have my CFI. So there there's one of the, the benefits. That's totally true. And, and most accelerated programs that I'm aware of have some type of uh, you know guaranteed hiring type thing so that if you go through a program like that, once you get your flight instructor certificate, um, they're going to immediately hire you back into the program to teach their next generation of students who are coming in. Um, that's similar to the collegiate aviation model. For example, we do the same thing. Um, but that particular approach is really great because at that point, you, you've really only learned one set of standards. You've learned it very quickly. So having that time to internalize that, to digest it, to let that sort of expand in your brain a little bit and teach within that structured program is a really great way. I don't like to, you know, it's, it's basically, I call it fermentation, but it lets, it lets that learning ferment in your brain a little bit um, so that it's a little bit more practical to you rather than just stuff you just drank through a fire hose over a six-month period. 
But I think that's very helpful, actually. Sure. And as a matter of fact, that's that's something we'll talk about a little bit as far as these advantages. Some of these advantages are the same as, as a type of program you have, which is over a two-year period. For instance, the next item, we talk about 141 programs and the reduced number of hours. These 141 programs are approved by the FA. They're training programs that allow you to actually get through your ratings quicker with less time, excuse me, less total time in the airplane. And they're incredibly structured. This is something that you a lot of times will see at a lot of these accelerated programs. Not always, but usually we'll see there, and that's a huge advantage. Right, and the normal 141 requirements you'll find in the regulations already have time uh, exemptions in there. But most accelerated programs um, who offer their own training curriculum, and and most do have their own in-house developed curriculum, will then offer further training benefits through letters of exception with the FAA as part of their 141 approval rather than just the two and a half hours you can log toward a 141 program for a private pilot certificate. They might be able to offer up to 10. Um, So they, they can actually go a little bit beyond just the traditional 141 requirements. Um, because, because they have such a structured program, they they have a, a case to make about the quality of the training they're offering and that they can do it a little bit better. For example, you and I know there are some things that you can only teach somebody in a simulator. Really. You'd have to use a, a dry erase board or a simulator because you can't use an airplane. Um, and so being able to expose students to that kind of training is extremely useful. Well, I don't know. Engine fires. I've had that done to me before. Uh, oh, no, wait. That wasn't on purpose. But <laughs> just kidding. But you're right. A lot of things in the simulator you, you, that you can do or many things that you can't do in real life. And that's the wonderful part about simulators. Uh, as far as these advantages to accelerated uh, pilot training, uh, I, I don't want to leave it without saying that uh, these are the, the end of our, our list here, without giving you a, an opportunity to talk a little bit about what I've said here as far as accelerated pilot training. And also certain advantages that would be towards a program that's a little bit longer like yours. So there are some of these that overlap. Which which one of those that do you feel overlap? Well, sure. Obviously, the, the education is extremely structured. You know, our, our curriculum is stretched out over a two-year period for the associate's degree. We'll talk about more about that when we get to the end of the program. But um, it, but the way we the way we integrate the theory with the practical here is very similar to the way the accelerated programs do it. The difference between the two is that we're able to issue a degree. And if if you want to go places in aviation, the degree is a reality. I mean, at some point, you're going to have to go there. Um, if you have a degree in something and you want to go through an accelerated program to get done fast, it makes total sense. If you want to succeed, you want to work in professional aviation, airlines, corporate, you're going to have to have a degree. You're never going to be able to compete with people on paper Without that, it's just a reality of the way that the market works. So by stretching it out over a two-year period, we're still able to offer the same amount of structure, but we're able to co-offer a degree at the same time. Um, and usually, because we're a state institution, my price is a lot less than most accelerated programs. That includes flight training and a degree, just because my tuition is so – I'm not a business. We don't We don't make money. We're designed to lose money. That's, well, we're a state in, education institution, so – um, you know, when you look at my cost, it's lower or on par with what you'd find in an accelerated program, and it includes the degree also. Um, you know, in terms of making money in aviation, of course, that's that that um, the homegrown element is is a big part of what we do. We want our flight instructor certified here to come back and work with our own students and to reindoctrinate the next generation with what they learned. Obviously, under some kind of mentorship and support, because these people have very few total flight hours. They have 
virtually no dual given uh, instructional time. So we want to make sure that, that they're not only just building time, but they're actually also giving quality instruction. That's why our instructors don't go to work immediately in the airplane with a student. They're sort of probationarily hired, and they work for uh, up to two months sort of with a mentor instructor doing ground and simulation training to build those skills before we turn them loose with new initial student pilots. Because we want to make sure, it, yeah, yes, everybody needs to build hours, and we know that, and that's a reality. But we also want to make sure that we're providing the highest quality training, and that that's an important piece too. Um, and obviously having the 141 piece where you can reduce the times, huge, because it lets you get through the training faster. And obviously the flight training piece is what costs so much money. Um, the degree, the coursework, that's not so bad. But the the time in the airplane is what's so expensive. So being able to cut that number down, that's a good thing. So those are some of the advantages of, of your program and the accelerated program that are the same. So really, like you said, if it's someone who has a degree and all, this is a great great avenue to go uh, is through one of these accelerated programs. And, you know, different schools have different programs. that They have an accelerated and non-accelerated program. I've seen that before, too. But for the most part, you're either going to an accelerated or you're going to a non-accelerated program. So those are some of the advantages. Uh, some of the disadvantages of these accelerated programs, uh, one of the things that I found, and honestly – this is true with the airlines, too. Uh, I've been through how many airlines? Four. And I've been through their pre- training programs. And they're very, you know, drinking through the fire hose. You talked about that. They're all the same. You're trying to bring all this information into your brain so you can regurgitate it out at the end. But when you do that, sometimes learning can just be short term. You may have learned about a system and then six months later try to recall that memory and it's not there. You're, you're just trying to f- get that short-term memory and put it out there during the test and that's it and then you flush it i've heard that said before i flush it at the end we don't want to do that in aviation really so you're hopefully having some of that come back to you that's why while you're out on the line flying for an airline and i'll give anybody the wrong impression you're actually reviewing some of the things that you've done in training we do that all the time that's a disadvantage of some of the accelerated programs and I would just like to say in full disclosure you know when we talk about advantages and disadvantages of accelerated pilot training There are great accelerated schools, and there are really awful accelerated schools. And, I mean, you know, five seconds on Google, and you can find people saying, you know, good and bad stuff about both. There are good collegiate programs, and there are bad collegiate programs. There are good independent flight schools and bad independent flight schools. And if you're looking at going the accelerated track, when you listen to the quote-unquote disadvantage of accelerated pilot training, um, I'm I'm never going to speak negatively about accelerated pilot training as a whole because I think the concept is amazing. It you just and I think we talked about this the last time when we discussed this 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 issue in short. Just that it's like anything else. If you're going to do it, you have to do it right. And if you go to a good accelerated program, you will get a good flight education. If you go to a bad accelerated, you're going to get a bad education. And the same is true of anything you do in aviation. That being said. Um, obviously, anytime you cram information into your brain really, really fast, it's like preparing for the ACT or the SAT. You know, you do all this studying so you can go in and regurgitate on the exam. And, um, and to a large extent, I think accelerated programs, maybe more than most, get the reputation of sort of being that sort of training where everything is just sort of pumped into your brain. You pump it back out again. You have a certificate, but you don't really have any knowledge. And again, I don't think that's uniformly true. I think there are great schools who do a good job about teaching material in a way that it can stick in your brain. Um, And that's important. If you're going to go the accelerated track, you have to do your homework. You can't just go to the one that's closest to your house. You really have to do your homework. You have to look for 
public feedback. You need to do tours. Don't listen to what the marketing people tell you. Go and actually, you know, visit the place, talk to the instructors, talk to the students, and figure out what you're getting into. Make sure that the, the learning on the back end is going to be what you need, what you want. So that was good. I I, uh, I think that's really important, uh, what you said there, as far as making sure that you find out what's true about that school, not just looking at what's closest. I'm glad you brought that up because I know I've done that. I was like, hey, what's the closest thing to me? I'm going to go do that. I did that once in an accelerated program. As a matter of fact, it's a stone's throw away from where we are. They're not in business anymore. And it wasn't a very good experience. I didn't really, there was no learning that was going on. I was preparing for the test and that was it. But on the other side, I went to another accelerated program that was 1,200 miles away from where we're sitting right now. And it was an excellent program. But I, I went out and said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to find a good accelerated program, just like you said. So I'm actually a good example of that, is that I, I went and I got the closest one, wasn't good. And then I did my research, found the best one, but it was 1,200 miles away. So just to, to solidify that, that comment. Uh, getting back to the disadvantages of accelerated pilot training, uh, the, the, the disadvantages, the upfront costs are high because usually many times you're paying for the entire program upfront. So that's pretty incredibly high. We're talking sometimes $70,000. That's quite a bit. Right. And it's, it's not only that, but if you are going to pursue the financing route when you go the accelerated pathway because it's not an accredited degree granting institution, you can secure financing and loans, but you're going to get personal loans and the interest rates are going to be high. Whereas, um, you know, with a traditional collegiate path, federal student loans not only have lower student interest rates anyway, but a portion of those are going to be subsidized loans where the interest won't come due until you graduate from the program, which does make it a little bit more cost effective when you come out of the program and you go to that first job and you're not making huge money. You know, you're not living in a penthouse. Um, you know, and, and those loans come due, it's it's good to owe less money, basically. Um, and so financing is an option um, at most accelerated schools. Most accelerated schools can offer you some type of financing. You just have to be aware that you're going to be, you know, pursuing the, in most cases, you're pursuing the personal loan route. And it's you're talking about a good amount of money. And those loans are going to be credit-based. Uh, so there's an issue there. You know, and that feeds into something else that people have asked me in the past is about uh, financing for a personal loan. And yes, I I know you've asked and a couple people have asked to have people on this show concerning personal loans for aviation. And uh, actually, amazingly enough, there's not that many out there. It's usually called your credit card. Uh, there is, there is, uh, or there are just a couple of them out there and uh, haven't been able to get them on the show because... A lot of times, um, there's some negativity associated with it. And, uh, so they've, they've declined our offer of an interview because they don't want to be ambushed on it. But, uh, not that we would do that here at Aviation Careers Podcast. But it really, uh, that tells you a little something by that comment I just made about that whole industry. So obviously, you're not really saving much money when you're, when you're getting a personal loan like that. And even the financing that's supposedly through pilot type of, uh, a pilot type of financing type program. Uh, but getting on to the next uh, uh, disadvantage, uh, you'll have less time and less experience flying. Well, that's interesting. That's exactly what we want. We have less time and less experience. But the problem with less time and less experience is you have less time and less experience, which is, is the, 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 the crux of the whole situation with this new law that's been put into effect. They call it the 1500-hour rule. They've upped the times at the airline. Uh, really, uh, I have mixed emotions about this. Uh, Experience is experience is experience. Some experience is bad and some is good. If you're drilling holes through the sky, 
you may not be getting very good experience. If you're going up and down the beach and you get a thousand hours going up and down the beach, you, you had no experience with air traffic control. So you have to look at the type of experience you're getting. Uh, in a lot of these programs, you, you may, and I'm not saying all of them, you may be getting experience that isn't going to help you much later on because you might be flying an uncontrolled t- type airspace or airspace with, you know, non-towered airports. And when you get into a career, you're going to have to talk to somebody. Right. And I don't mean to keep harping on the degree thing, but I mean, that's what I do. So it's kind of, you know, get somebody in here from an accelerated pilot training program and they'll talk to you about that and not, not the degree thing. But, you know, the 1500 hour rule is a reality. It's the new reality that we live in since last August. And, um, you know, if you go through an accelerated pilot training program, you need 1500 hours to get your ATP. If you go through an associate's degree program, you need 1,250 hours to get your ATP. If you go through a bachelor's degree program, you need 1,000 hours to get your ATP. So, yes, you have less time and less experience. You've saved some money and you've gone through the program really fast, but now you have to build 500 more hours than somebody who went through a collegiate aviation program and took longer. Um, so you have to you have to weigh out what the benefits are. Is it going to be more advantageous for you to build that extra 500 hours that you wouldn't have to build otherwise? Or... Are you going to try to do some kind of accelerated bachelor's degree type program online, which those options are available? My point in that is think it through. Like you said before, you know, don't go down the road and just say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go. No, sit down, talk to people who've actually done this, who know what the hiring process is within various segments of aviation and find if you come out of a program with $80,000 of personal loan debt, how are you going to pay that off? It's not going to be working as an instructor in that flight program. I can guarantee you that. You're not even going to make a dent. You won't even be able to make the minimum payment. Okay. So think this through and make sure that you know what your plan is. Have have an outcome, not just a, I'm going to graduate and be an instructor and then I'm going to get picked up by an airline. Well, yeah, but there's going to be something in the middle of that. You, you, there's, there's a step there in the middle that most people leave out. So just make sure that you know what that is. And, and that comes down to research and information and you know, do your homework. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm also glad you brought up the fact that you, you are with a, a collegiate program. We have in, uh, invited some people from these accelerated programs to come on and talk a little bit. So we, we'll put these questions to them, too, and, and have, uh, have them talk about the advantages and disadvantages. I think they're going to actually probably be about the same uh, as what we're talking about. It really is coming down to, from what we've been talking uh, you know, what type of program is it? Look at the actual program. Um, again, getting back to this one, less time, less experience. Gosh, um, it, it, again, you could have some very good experiences and some very good learning opportunities at a very accelerated program. And I've had that before. Remember, I talked about the bad one, the good one. The good one that was 20, 1200 miles away, excuse me, is actually there was a lot of learning that went on and I still remember what I did at that program. So that tells you something there. I mean, it was, it was amazing what, what they did. It was run by an airline pilot and did a wonderful job uh, with that program. So, yeah, less experience, less time, but it could be good experience. So uh, moving on to the last item I have here on the disadvantage of an accelerated pilot training, uh, some programs only teach you for the test instead of teaching you to become a good pilot. I am a great example of this. I, I was relating this earlier to Eric is uh, we were actually looking at uh, towards the building that I was uh, doing my training in, and I'll never forget that before my CFI, I was placing the ailerons into the wind because there was there was quite a bit of wind that was coming down the runway and the taxiway. He's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, yeah, I'm putting the ailerons into the wind. That's what I need to do. He says, no, 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 you're going to be an airline pilot. You don't need to do that. And I said, wow, are you kidding me? You know, just to, 
to let you know, the, the wind and all affects airlines just as much as it affects smaller planes. It's the degree that's different. You know, instead of doing a 15-knot crosswind, you're doing a 40-knot crosswind. And in a bigger plane, that's similar to a 15-knot crosswind in a small plane. You know what? You're still going to put the airlines into the wind. You're still going to be using your rudder, no matter how automated the aircraft is. So you really have to be careful because a lot of these guys, not just the, the flight test portion, but also uh, they teach towards the actual examiner. I know in the one program that was bad, uh, they actually taught towards one specific examiner, and uh, it wasn't specifically, hey, this is what you're going to need to know for your to be a good CFI. It was, a, this is what you need to do to pass a CFI exam. And I didn't quite like that. Uh, just as another full disclosure, that company that's, is no longer around, so that might, might say something there. So, yeah, some programs only teach you the minimum. Right. And, you know, that's I've had this conversation with multiple people multiple times. If you're going to be a pilot, especially if you want to be a professional pilot, happy with the minimum, you might want to rethink your <laughs> – you know, if the people in the back knew that you were just really good to just scrape by, they might not want to fly with you. And so it comes down to the motivation. Why are you doing this? You know, are you doing it because you're going to – you just, yeah, I'm going to make a ton of money, you know. Okay, well, you can. You can make a lot of money in aviation. Um, but aviation is something that the people who do it well do it because they love it. And they have a passion for it. It's a job that's extremely demanding. It carries a lot of responsibility. And in my opinion, the minimum isn't good enough. The FA says you can pass a, a knowledge test with a 70%. We don't let anybody even take the thing until they're scoring above 85% on practice exams. Because I'm not, I'm not okay that 30% of the information you don't know. That I'm not okay with that. Um, and when you look at the FA's practical exam, you know, altitude within 100 feet, you know, distance within 400 feet. Why not just be accurate? You know, yeah, there's a tolerance there, but let's not teach to the, to the, to the, uh, to the limits. Let's teach just to perfection and then allow the fact that human error is going to kick in and you're going to be a little bit off, but, and that's normal, but, but strive for the best. And if you're going to go through a program that's teaching you a test, you're teaching yourself a motivation and a thought process that is going to come back to bite you later on. Because you just you can't operate in professional aviation towards the minimums all the time. You know, I think that point is true not just in aviation. I think in in, in most uh, educational environments, wouldn't you agree? I, absolutely. I mean, in life, I mean, yeah. don't try to just get by. Do the best you can. You'll be a happier person. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Well, that that was all the ones that I have for advantages and disadvantages. Unless you have any others you want to add to that list that we had here, this is primarily through my experience and those of the people I've asked. I actually didn't get to ask Eric before this this uh, interview here, as far as what what other advantages and disadvantages you you would put into this list. And he's shaking his head now. That's that's about. No, I mean I, I feel this is a really good go over. And and again, you know I work in collegiate aviation. My experience has always been either in private or in collegiate aviation. I've never worked in or trained in an accelerated pilot training program. So if you talk to people who have gone through those training programs or people who do work in those training programs, they're going to have a, a different opinion of them. I think collegiate aviation is the best thing since sliced bread, but I have a bias. And I'm very happy to tell you that I have a bias. Obviously, I do. I work here. I run this college program. So, um, you know, I, my my ultimate thing when i talk to people who are talking about you know different ways to go through pilot training and like i said i just had this conversation last week talking to this guy and i'm telling him this is really not for you you need to go and and find an accelerated pilot training path that's going to be better for you in the long run and for some people it makes more sense for some people the college structure where there's you know 
more time to digest the material. You're able to broaden your, your aviation experience to not just aviation, but studies outside of aviation as well, which makes you a better thinker. That works better for other people. Um, and so, again, and not to sound like a college professor, do your homework. Just do your homework. Find the program that works best for you. That might be a collegiate program. That might be an accelerated program. That might mean working at your local airport and paying some instructor there to give you independent flight instruction. It doesn't. Everybody's still a pilot at the end. It, it's the same pilot certificate, the same standard that evaluates us. Do your homework and find the thing that meets your needs. That's well said, you know, and, and I know we all have our biases, and what we try to do is get both opinions on on here, and I, I like to play devil's advocate, and I thought that was terrific. As a matter of fact, uh, before we move on, there is one thing that I'm going to, I want to speak towards that you brought up earlier, and I want to clarify here. Uh, we talked a little bit about flight instructing, and you had mentioned about paying off loans, and that you're not really going to be able to to put a dent in those loans if you go to that specific school that you did your training at to become a flight instructor. Uh, the one, uh, I don't want people walking away with the impression that you can't make any money flight instructing. Uh, so first of all, yeah, that's usually true is that most schools that have these type of programs know that they have you and you need the hours and they don't have to pay you much. It's kind of similar to the regional airlines. They know that they have you. Everybody's been telling me, hey, the, 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 cost or the, the salary is going to go way up. I'm not sure they will. I think right now they they're might go up a little bit, but you know, you're going to get that signing bonus and get in there and, and you're only going to spend a few years. That's what they're trying to promote. They're going to say, hey, you're only going to be here a year or two. You're on to the majors. We don't really need to pay you much because all you're doing is getting your experience. Same thing they can do with these programs. They can tell you, hey, listen, we're not paying you much because it, you know, you're getting experience and that's what you need to do. I will say this, though. As a flight instructor at a flight school, on your own, whatever it is, you can make really good money. I mean, I've it took me at the airlines four years to get to the point where I was making the same amount of money I did my first year as a flight instructor. So, And a great example is, Eric, I think you've had somewhat of a similar experience, and maybe you can refresh our memory on that one. Absolutely. Um, so I had an outstanding career as a career flight instructor. I'm one of those people who really enjoys flight instructing. Now, again, up until last weekend, I hadn't done it for a full day in a long time. Um, and uh, I, I absolutely loved the job. Um, and, you know, I was looking at a point where I had, you know, I was well above hiring times for any regional airline. I was like, you know, I should maybe look into the airline thing. Maybe, maybe it's something I should do. I had sort of convinced myself in college that I really didn't want to go that pathway. I just really wasn't interested in it. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I've got way more than the minimum times. You know, people are hiring right now. This would be really great. And I started looking at the pay and realized that I was going to take a $40,000 a year pay cut to go fly for the regional airlines. Now, that was, you know, I was in a very dense market in Atlanta. You know, I was flying with professional people, doctors, lawyers, real estate developers, in addition to flight instructing, the cool thing about that job is that you you sort of you meet people through flight instructing. Then you know, well, you know, I've always wanted to buy an airplane. If I bought an airplane, would you fly me around in it? Sure. So in addition to the twenty three active flight students I had at one time, I had you know six or seven private flight clients. In addition to air charter stuff that I did. So it's not like you just flight instruct. You can if that's all you want to do, and that's fine. Um, but the really neat thing about that job is it really lets you diversify if you want to and do a lot of other really cool things in aviation like aircraft delivery and ferry and all that kind of stuff too in addition to flight instruction. Yet you can make a great living in flight instructing. People people think about flight instructing in the 
I just became a flight instructor and now I'm working at the school I learned from. Well, yeah, of course, the pay is not going to be great there because it, you're a captive audience. But when you get out of that, especially you get into a dense training market, I mean, I, I made a very good living as a flight instructor. And that's a good point because that's the same thing I did. I did a dense market and uh, the uh, the problem is when I went out to the country to start teaching – I made nowhere near what I made uh, living in a bigger city. So it does matter where you are. You may have to move to make that kind of money. But thanks for clarifying that point about flight instructing. I, I want people to realize, yes, you can make money. And uh, as a matter of fact, if you're really good, you could be in the middle of nowhere. People will come to you. I, I do know, do know uh, pilots that do that specific type of training, say aerobatic training, and I have a friend that makes a bunch of money just doing that. So there's opportunities there. Well, those are advantages and disadvantages. I will have somebody on that uh, actually works at an accelerated program, uh, and we will have them all talk a little bit about the advantages and disadvantages. One part of this program that's uh, a lot of fun for me and just just wonderful is hearing your feedback and also hearing your questions. So we're going to move on to some questions, and Eric, I think, has some time to do this, and he uh, he's... Uh, come with me today to answer some specific ones, actually, that that will help uh, you and help the people that are asking these questions. One of the reasons we bring these questions up here in this forum is so that you can learn from what other people ask. Also, if you want to ask a question, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and slash contact, and you can fill out the form there. Another way to do that, of course, just email me at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Well, our first question comes in. Oh, and by the way, if you do send in a question, I I will uh, de-identify basically all these questions. Uh, Your privacy is important to us. If you want us to mention your name, put that in the email, and I will mention your name during the the question. So our first uh, email is uh, from somebody talking about ground instruction materials. Um, He says, hi. First off, I'd like to thank you for your podcast and website. They are both inspirational and full of knowledge. I'm a private pilot currently with only 80 hours with dreams of any type of flying job. I have no desire to fly for the airlines or large jets for that matter. My dream job will be to fly a 208, that's a Cessna 208, in the bush. I'm very interested in becoming a ground instructor to help me with fund my ratings. Well, that's good. That's a great idea. Uh, his question is this. Can you recommend study materials? Thanks for all you do for the aviation community. Well, thanks for the kind comments. And, of course, I have uh, someone who knows a little bit about uh, uh, ground school instruction materials and and might be able to point you in the right direction uh, but you know I, i'm i'm really happy that you've actually defined your your goal your aviation career goal i know a guy that flies a 170 as a matter of fact he's going to be on this show so i won't make it a spoiler but he has an awesome job and uh, he makes a very good living uh not as much as say a captain in an airline but he makes a great living and uh, at the end of the day he just goes fishing and uh, just loves his life so and he li- he li- he's like an airline pilot. He lives up north in the summer and down south in the winter. So it's a really neat job. He does he's a baronetto. So uh, I do you know I envy him sometime. Uh, as far as ground instruction materials, I've tried a lot of them, and I'm not going to specifically recommend one. Uh, but I've tried Glime. I've tried King schools. I've tried some schools that are out of business. So. Is there any that you could recommend for somebody who's actually going towards the knowledge exam for, say, the ground instructor specifically and the others? Sure. So I do. I think I have to fully disclose that uh, that I used to be the aviation content manager for Glime Publications for a number of years. So um, 
I, I obviously I, I like that I, I wrote it so if <laughs> I, I, I think it's pretty good um, but uh, you know glime material is very specific for a very specific purpose um, and really everybody who's in the business does something kind of unique so the glime study material is meant to be a base and a foundation um, you can't just use glime study material and be completely done you need a good flight instructor to take that and build on it and give you a qualified education. Our, our perspective, um, when I was there and we were working on these training materials was to say, okay, we can't train everybody for every operation because that doesn't make any sense. What we can do is provide a good base of knowledge that covers what the FAA says you're supposed to know. Okay. Which again is a minimum, appro- again, a minimum approach to flight instruction. This is the bottom. Okay. The intent there is that you then with motivation and with being guided in the proper direction would then take that and go off into, you know, explore these things and, and build your knowledge from there. So the Glime material is outstanding at meeting the FA's requirements. That's what it's designed to do, and that's all that it's designed to do. Um, and so what we did beyond the traditional study materials, everybody's familiar with the red books and the, you know, the, the test prep software and, and then even the online ground school because it has instructional components in it as well. Now we're starting to get beyond just, okay, this is what the FA wants you to know for the test. Okay, well, here's more stuff. The additional online courses that cover communications. How do you talk on the radio? Uh, the pilot refresher course that helps people come back from, um, you know, haven't flown for a while. As a ground instructor, I love those types of resources because I can assign them to my students. I can say, you know, here's this $20 course that will teach you everything you need to know about this topic. And that's outstanding. And so even more so than just preparing yourself for a test, you know, there are other resources available. So I had to start there because I know that material. Now, that's my, that's my bias. Uh, I'm, I'm done with that now. Um, beyond that, there are other resources that are tremendous. And most students like to blend different learning systems together. Um, there, there are few people who pick one learning system and use it for all their ratings. Like Carl said, he's used all this different stuff. Um, you know, so have I, I've used tons of different material. Um, and then once I became an instructor, I just started making my own stuff. Um, and I sort of used, I, I did exactly what, before I even worked for Glime, I did the Glime model. My students used the Glime stuff to prepare for tests and things like that. And they used my stuff to get the information they really needed to know for our operation. So, um, and I, I like that approach. But, you know, King Schools is all video-based. And now, in addition to being on DVD, you can get it all online. So you don't have to carry, you know, a computer around with you. You can log in and watch it online. Um, and that's great for people who are more video-oriented um, and like humor um, in their in their instruction. Um, <laughs> and uh, Corny humor. <laughs> yeah, shout out to John and Martha. I, I like John and Martha very much. They're, we we have a, a good working relationship. I like cutting up with them. They're two of the most witty people I've ever met in my life. Um, but anyway, uh, there are other, you know, ASA provides a tremendous solution and, you know, like King, like Glime, ASA has a, a kit where you just get everything together. The strength of ASA's products, uh, these days, in my personal opinion, is that you can buy everything in an e-kit. And so all the books, all the materials on an iPad, you don't have to carry all that stuff around with you, which is nice. You don't break your back. Um, so... Just like with pilot training, I don't mean to be non-committal here, guys, but just like with pilot training, you have to find the solution that meets your learning style. If you don't know how you learn, get on get on the Google and, you know, learning style test, okay? Take a little exam, and it will tell you whether you're predominantly a visual learner, an experiential learner. Use that information and find a solution that offers that kind of training. 
You know, that that's the idea. There's there are so many options out there. You can find the uh, the training option that meets your training needs. Find some individual learning material. Don't don't use a solution that you don't like because there are other options available. So to add to that, I think as you were speaking, I said, you know, one of the things that I did is I I grabbed a program. I made a decision because I was going through the same problem. I was like, what am I going to use? I decided to use a specific program because that's what I was using in the past. It was actually the Jeppesen. And I enjoyed it. I like pictures, and they have pretty pictures. So I like that a lot. But I actually went back and reviewed the the fundamentals of instructing under other different uh, resources, ASAs. I also looked at the Kings because the course I wanted to pass the test, like we were talking about. But I wanted to also be an instructor, so I went back and read all those other materials. For instance, a good example is this. I have to renew my CFI, and right now I've decided to use the King's Schools because every time I renew, I try to do a different one. Uh, I'm also going to be reviewing that on another podcast. As a matter of fact, I probably should put that on here. The King's Schools, like you said, John and Martha are great. I've gone through their materials. I love them. They're they're uh, very corny. I love their corny jokes. And uh, to me, they're corny. So maybe to others, they aren't. But I find out that I am too. So I was able to relate to that when I when I tell jokes. I'm not the greatest joke teller, but uh, you know, usually people laugh at me, not so much with me. <laughs> and so, if you ever need a job, I think John and Martha would definitely hire you for some video. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a you're a closet actor for King Schools. I know it. His his second career, his his night job, is working for King Schools as a video producer. <laughs> yeah, that'd be wonderful. I I do love those guys though. They're they're terrific. Um, and by the way, when you do use these materials, uh, you wind up having all those people as your instructor. So now, see, my instructors are Rod Machado, John and Martha King, and I also have some others out there that I haven't met. Those are, and um, another one, uh, Dean Koontz. Uh, there's uh, Greg Koontz, excuse me, and also uh, another gentleman that's out of uh, Central Florida that I haven't ever met. But they are my instructors because I've learned from their materials. And these are really good instructors. So we, that's one of the great things about having all these different materials. I will have to agree though with the climb, uh, to get the, the job done as far as getting the, the test done. I have used the climb and it is pretty darn terrific. Uh, they don't do just testing for, uh, test prep for aviation. They also do for uh, CPA exams, that type of thing. I think that's all they do is just a CPA and the, and aviation. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of the accounting exams, actually. Uh, Dr. Glimes started off as a, he spent 22 years as an accounting professor at University of Florida. And so he was building materials for his students and realized, hey, I could sell this stuff. And, you know, typed his first CPA manual on an IBM Selectric at his kitchen table. And now it's a, you know, it's an international business with, you know, thousands and thousands of clients all over the world. It's pretty impressive. But, um, actually most people who are in aviation don't realize that the vast majority of the, of the Glime business model is the accounting side of the business. Um, they are huge. They're one of the top three accounting test prep producers in the, in the world. Um, and then the aviation side, because Dr. Glam is one of the most pragmatic people you'll ever meet in your life. When he was studying for his private pilot um, exam, he just didn't like anything that was out there. So he said, well, forget this. I'll just write my own stuff. And so he did and said, oh, I, maybe I could sell this too. And that's how it started. Um, and it's expanded now all the way up through ATP. Um, and it's not just test prep material. It's learning material, there are online courses, and all sorts of other things too. Terrific. So I, I think we both recommend Glime, but then again, there's a lot of other material out there. So again, like like Eric said, pick the one that you think works for you. Um, as a matter of fact, there was one that's no longer around, which I loved, and they uh, had a lot of videos, somebody talking heads, and I kind of like videos, very visual type of person. So anyway, thanks for that question. Get out there, take a look at what, what you like the most, and uh, 
and see, you know, we're, we're not, we're being committal, but not non-committal, in other words. There's a lot of stuff out there, too, that's uh, done by people that are new in the business, so there's not much of a track record there, so we can't, I can't always recommend those type of things, uh, unless I've actually reviewed it myself, so I'm not going to recommend any other ones, other than, you know, the Glime ASA and the, and the Jeppesen for right now. Uh, is that, did I cover all the ones? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like flight training. I mean, you just, you're going to have to you're going to have to do the homework and find the thing that meets your needs. Find the right thing that, that suits your learning style. And it, it's it's easy to do because there's tons of options. Well, terrific. Thanks for that question. Uh, moving on to our some of our other questions here. We, I know we have a few, and we're going to try to get through these within the hour time frame. If we can, we might go a little bit long today. Uh, the f- next question comes uh, from episode 44 with Tom Wachowski. Uh, this person writes in and says, First off, let me thank you for your podcast and your willingness to help others achieve their career goals in aviation. I really enjoy your podcast and routinely listen to it while flying a King Air around Botswana and the Southern African region in general. I work for a company called Flying Mission Services, who was a mission, quote-unquote, in the traditional sense in the 80s and early 90s. Today, Flying Mission Services, or FMS, is a for-profit company that's main focus is air ambulance work for its Ministry of Health, as well as any private medevacs in Botswana and its surrounding region using King Air 90s and 200s. It also flies Cessna 206s in the, <laughs> I don't know how to say that, Okvango Delta, transporting tourists to safari camps. And I really messed up that, that name. I'll, I'm sure I'll get a correction on that one. On episode 44, you had a listener write in that was thinking about becoming a missionary pilot and working for a company such as Mission Aviation Fellowship, or MAF. Tom suggested also considering doing air ambulance work, as it can be extremely fulfilling, and I would agree. It can be extremely gratifying when you can see that your job is making a difference in people's lives. In addition, here at FMS, any profit that is made in aviation goes directly to helping the people of Botswana, but by funding local projects such as HIV AIDS ministries, home-based care for handicapped individuals, various youth projects, and many more projects to sponsor and help those that are less fortunate. The biggest difference for me personally between a company such as MAF, Mission Aviation Fellowship, and FMS is pilots and mechanics working for MAF have to raise their own support before being deployed overseas. And though FMS does employ fully supported, quote-unquote, missionary pilots, it also employs pilots such as myself with no support at a local basic salary, which is enough to live a basic life. The great thing for me is that I believe in using my skills and talents as a professional in aviation business to help others, but didn't necessarily want to raise the support before leaving the States for a less fortunate country such as Botswana. Here I get to work for a professional company that cares about people first and everything else second. I absolutely enjoy, excuse me, I absolutely love flying and aviation in general and want to give back as much joy and satisfaction as I take out of it personally. I'd be happy to have you pass my email address on to anyone that may be looking into getting into mission aviation in general, and I'll offer my experience and answers any questions that may they may have, and I'll answer them honestly. 
I've lived in many different countries in Africa and the Middle East for most of my life now doing both humanitarian and mission work, both as a pilot and a mechanic, and feel my experience may be helpful to some of your listeners. Regards, Matt. Matt, that was an absolute terrific email. That was wonderful. And we're going to try to have Matt on the show. There's some issues with connectivity as far as the internet that I could imagine are tough down in, in uh, uh South Africa and other places that he actually visits. But uh, what we're going to do is this. If you do have any questions uh, specifically for Matt and about working in mission aviation, send them in. Send those questions to us at the uh, com slash contact or at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast. I will have those questions ready, and we will have an interview. If we can't do the interview uh, online or over Skype, we're going to actually send them those questions and read them right here. Uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, by the way, uh, full disclosure, I've actually done a little bit with them, and they are a wonderful organization. I have a lot of friends that have, have worked for them. I, I at one point was going to go work for them full-time and uh, decided against it and realized it wasn't a real fit for my lifestyle. Uh, but it might be for you. But here's another example of something else you can do in the in the mission work. Eric, do you know anybody working in the mission field in aviation? I should say. You know, a couple of, of friends that I've had who have who've gone on to work in the mission field. Um, one flies a, a Piper Cub, um, actually, um, a, a Cub. Yeah, um, flies a Piper Cub. Uh, where is he? Uh, he's somewhere in East Africa, and um, basically, his um, his job is to shuttle um, uh, missionaries back and forth from different little camps out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. And um, and they use the Cub because it's super economical and, and really easy to fix and repair. Um, one thing I've noticed from my friends who've gone into that field is that I noticed that Matt's credentials, he has an AMP also. Um, that's just about a, a, a deal breaker. If you're going to fly mission aviation, you just about always have to have an AMP. Um, in addition to your pilot certificates, because to a large extent, you're kind of a one-man operation. You're going to be out in the middle of nowhere, and you're going to need to be able to fix things that go wrong with the airplane, and you're going to have to be able to do a lot of your own maintenance. So for those considering the mission field, I highly recommend it. I know for you can tell that Matt obviously you know, has a, a very rewarding and fulfilling life doing that, and uh, you know, my friends who've gone on to do it, I, I know that they really enjoy it and, and speak very highly of it also. Um, it is a very unique lifestyle. You're going to live out of country. You're going to live in some really impoverished areas. You're going to see a lot of stuff that you know, you're not going to be able to unsee. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, what you're doing, what you're contributing back, um, you're never going to be able to, to, to get rid of the pride you're going to have in the, in the work you're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a tremendous career. I think for a lot of people it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there's many different aspects of mission aviation. Uh, there's uh, – or any type of, you know, nonprofit aviation that's out there and uh, – Eyeballs, you know, there's there's a big thing uh, that orbits or whatever that's called that goes out flying the L1011s or DC10s around. Uh, there's there's many avenues you can do. Even if say you're a retired uh, pilot that's uh, with an airline or you're a current airline pilot, you can actually take some time off and work in the mission field. Uh, anyway, moving on. To, uh, by the way, if you have questions for him, just let let me know. Uh, sounds like he's a wonderful resource and he's very passionate about it. So we're going to have him on the show. Uh, please write in some of your questions for him. The next question, uh, by the way, every time I'm with Eric, we wind up. <clears throat> I try to make this an hour show. It never goes an hour. So we're we're going to. It's always it's always Eric's fault. And Eric has agreed. We we have uh, some more time, so we'll be able to to finish some of these other questions here. 
Uh, Eric and I obviously are a little passionate about flying, so we wind up. Uh, I'm using the one that's long-winded now. Now I have Eric, so two of us here. <laughs> good competition. <laughs> a really good competition. Next uh, question is about an airline career. Uh, comes in and he says, I just finished listening to your latest podcast. Great job as usual. I've emailed you before about becoming an airline pilot, but more specific to the first class FAA medical certificate. Thanks for the information you provided. Well, you're welcome. I'm 25 years old and uh, an EMT. He also owns a little travel agency, or a travel agency, I should say, on a local level. Uh, he also considers himself passionate about aviation. Kind of a nut in a good way, of course. I've always wanted to be an airline pilot and took my first step this Tuesday. That's wonderful. I took an introductory flight in a Cessna 172 with a large airline career flight school. I got to fly the aircraft 35 minutes. I descended, climbed, and made turns. I was in heaven and have been on a high ever since. That's so cool to hear. I love hearing about first flights and love to do them. After the flight, the instructor sat me down and spoke to me. He talked about the pilot shortage and said that within two years I could be flying for the airlines. He explained how after the fast track program they offer, I would be offered an instructing job to build hours towards the FAA mandated minimum, 1,500 hours. He explained that they have agreements with the airlines to interview the graduates. It all sounded very rosy. My question is, while there's a pilot shortage now, will there be a pilot, will still be a job available in two years? The training they offer is over $70,000, which uh, I'd have to borrow. That is a large amount of money to hoe, and I agree. So, yeah, th that's um, just getting back to that as far as them telling you in two years you could be with an airline. From uh, the time that I actually started uh, flight instructing to getting to an airline was actually less than two years. It was just a little bit over a year, and I didn't even expect to make it to the airlines that quickly. Uh, I just absolutely loved instructing, and I was going to stay doing that. But, yes, it, that's not unheard of in normal times. That's not unheard of. So not just during a pilot shortage, but during normal times you, you would see that. Uh, but the difference is right now they're they're offering incentives for you to go to the airlines. There's there's signing bonuses, there's retention bonuses, and I do know airlines that are giving retention bonuses after a certain amount of time of staying there. So that can happen. Uh, another question that he has is about the fast track programs, and do the airlines respect these fast track programs? Um, this And he also mentions the fact that he's done so much in his life. He's had such a varied career. And he wants to know, you know, he loves aviation, but he wants to know if, if having this background and having all these experiences in life is going to be bad when he does go to apply for an airline. First of all, uh, the fast track program doesn't – it to the airline, all they look at is your hours. Uh, they do look at sometimes where you came from because a lot of times the recruiter that's sitting there looking at your application went to the same school. That does help a little bit. I, I won't say no. So if you went to a specific school, even if it was a fast track program and that recruiter went there, it actually might help you. So there is a, a point where the fast track program could help you if the person you're interviewing with has gone to the same one. So uh, that's that's my opinion on that. Eric, I'm sure you do also have an opinion. Well, sure. I mean, I, I you know, the there's a shortage now. Will there still be a job available in two years? Um, and you know, Carl is in the business, and it, people ask me this all the time, but they don't really believe me because I'm I'm in academia. You know, I, I lie to people just to get them into my program or whatever the case is, whatever people think, and then then that's fine. So I'll let I'll let Carl speak to it, but. This is not a problem that's going to be fixed tomorrow or in six months from now. This, this is a systemic issue that we're all going to have to deal with for a very long time. Um, and actually, we have more regulatory requirements. We had 
the fifteen hundred hour rule that we all you know talk about in general last August. We had the new rest rules go into effect in January, and then now next August we have the final, in the final smack in the face, the um, the ATP CTP program, where um, in order to be able to test for the ATP certificate, you're gonna have to go through uh, level C or D flight sim training as part of a crew training program, um, which is you know gonna run you about an extra eight to ten thousand dollars at the end of your training just to be able to even sit for the ATP test. So there's there's more there are more problems coming. This is not going to be done and over with tomorrow. There are some serious challenges ahead of us, and um, the only way to get through them is to get people in the door, to get people thinking about aviation again. Because after between 2001 and then um, and then 2008, you had a lot of people who were saying, "Man, I'm not going into aviation." There's you know terrible thing, and and this is the situation that we're in: airlines canceling flights and you know crew issues. Listen, I mean, this is not this is not a two year issue. This is a, I mean, I'll be dead and gone, and we're still going to be trying to figure this mess out unless Congress does something with the legislation that they've passed. So, I mean, that that's just the reality in which we live. Um, but in terms of you know your varied background, you know, I can tell you, and it depends a lot on the carrier you want to work for. But a lot of carriers really pride themselves in the culture of the people that they hire, and they they really. They're not just an airline. They're a culture of people, and they and they understand that, and they try to focus on who the people are that make the airline successful. And um, you know, from my experience, going in with neat things on your resume, it's it's things you can talk about in the interview. Um, oh, you have a scuba certification. Why, why do you have that? Well, I love scuba diving, and so it turns into a conversation, which gives you a chance to endear yourself, basically, to the recruiter or the hiring manager because you're. Now you and it everybody comes in with flight hours and flight ratings. That's because that's a requirement for the job. The other cool stuff that you do outside of flying just gives that 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 creates a human connection. And for many airlines who understand the importance of corporate culture, that's a big deal. So I think having varied experience actually is something that could really help you out. You know, and speaking towards that pilot shortage, I, I think that yes, there it's going to continue on. There are a few things that could stop it. Uh, when I got hired, uh, you basically could, if you could fog a mirror, you could get hired with an airline. Uh, we had uh, an event, nine uh, eleven, that happened that changed things and that shut down the airlines. Period. Uh, barring something, an event like that, yeah, it's going to be tough to get around this. This is this is a systemic issue, and we'll continue on. I know we've been talking about that a lot here, and uh, there's a lot of naysayers. And I know, uh, you know, some of you seen me on TV talk about the pilot shortage coming. I was talking about a couple of years ago, and, and they're like, yeah, there's no pilot shortage right now. What are you talking about? And I do get people that write into me and say there's never been a pilot shortage. Well, uh, you know, there, there are shortages, and there have been in the past, uh, So, and they're going to continue on. We will have another recession. Uh, the, the market will go down. We uh, right now won't be hurt as much as quickly, but uh, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the future. My point is that, you know, get into it because you like it. No matter what career field you go into, you're going to have – a downturn, no matter what it is. And there's going to be a glut and there's going to be a shortage. So that's just the way that's going to be. Another question, by the way, he had uh, after we, we talked a little bit here, uh, he had a follow-on question as far as a article. And I'll, I'll link to this article. They were talking about uh, one of the airlines was uh, reducing capacity to deal with uh, the actual shortage. They were taking away some regional jets. That is something that has been happening where they're put – Say you have three 50-seat jets and you put one 737 on that route. Now you only need one crew instead of three crews to fly back and forth. Well, that works and it doesn't work. There are certain routes where 
a 737 just doesn't make sense. Also, certain routes where people want frequency because they're business travelers. So, no, that that may or may not not help the situation, and that can reduce the number of pilots, yes, that are needed by flying bigger aircraft. But a lot of times those communities just lose all their flight and all their lifts. So that doesn't always work in the long run. Uh, but thanks for the question. I, I hope that's answered it. I, I really... Uh, there again, the shortage that's happening now—it's—it's uh, going to continue on unless there's some major event or Congress decides to change a few things as far as uh, some of the rules. But I will say one thing: I—I I really want to know where the pilots, why pilots, people, excuse me, in general don't want to become pilots. And uh, there's—I remember 20 years ago that. A lot of people wanted to become airline pilots. It was wonderful. It was glamorous. I think we've taken away some of that glamour, but to be honest with you, I've asked this question of a lot of pilots lately that I've been flying with, and they've said, you know, I still really love my job. I mean, it's not... Uh, people have somewhat made it a little less glamorous than it is. It's not as glamorous as people think it is, but they still love it. They love what they're doing. They get to see the sunrises and sunsets at some wonderful places. So again, thanks for that question. Uh, we have uh, time for some more questions. Let's keep moving on real quickly here. Uh, subject here is about networking and being a CFI. It says, hi, I'm, I'm trying to network towards obtaining a corporate job. How do I actually approach an individual and what do I say to them? I'm still working on my CFI licenses. Should I start ner- what, excuse me, networking right now? I have 320 hours and three and excuse me 30 multi-time commercial instrument single and multi-engine land licenses. Thank you. Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I know Tom Wachowski who talked about that about networking, networking in one of his episodes. I'm going to have him. He's going to write in and answer that. But I will say this: through networking, no matter what your level of experience is, you can always network and say to somebody what your interests are. It doesn't matter who you are. You you know, before you started flying, you had an interest in aviation. If you told somebody about that interest, they you never know who you're going to run up against. I have a friend who's actually a friend of my father's, and uh, he <laughs> he actually let me jump in on one of their Falcon simulators that they had. And uh, it was just through that type of networking that I was able to get in the door and say, hey, if you're looking for a job here, just just give me your resume. I'll get you in the door here. And that's the type of networking we're talking about. No matter what it is, tell everybody what your intentions are. And you never know who you'll be speaking to because it might be the head of their department. I mean, amazingly enough, that's happened to me so many times. I say, hey, you know, I love I love flying airplanes. Can I go fly? You know, I'd love to fly in your airplane. It'll show up and it's a Gulfstream. It's like, wow, I didn't realize you had a goal. I was thinking it was going to be like a, a Seminole or a Seneca, and it was a big Gulfstream. And, and he's like, yeah, you want to fly in it? Go right ahead. And I was like, wow, that's cool. Thanks. You know, and I got to fly down the Bahamas and stuff. So those are the things that you never know who you're talking to. Uh, so just get get out there what you want to do, because by by having passion, by having an interest, there's other people that really want to help you out, not just me. Other people really do want to see you succeed. I had a student the other day who uh, was telling me that that she had seen this uh, corporate jet fly in several times over you know a couple of weeks and and she always wanted to go out and and look at the airplane but she just felt uncomfortable going up to the pilot and saying you know anything to talking to him and asking if he could she could see inside the airplane and I said he's a pilot <laughs> he would love to show off I mean of course yes he wants to show you the airplane now yeah are there some people who work in corporate aviation that are jerks yeah there are people who work in banks that are jerks or people I mean there are jerks everywhere okay so if you run up across somebody who doesn't want to talk to you or have well fine then you know dust your shoes and go on into a different place but but I encouraged her you know the next time she saw this crew to you know go up and you know introduce herself and everything so so she did they they were back on another trip and she went out and um 
she introduced herself and said, you know, I'm a student. I'm working on my private pilot certificate right now, but I'm really interested in corporate aviation. That's really where I want to go, you know. Um, and she didn't even have to ask. The pilot's like, well, can you come look at the airplane? He puts her in the in the left seat, you know, and just explaining this uh, this citation to her, you know, where everything is and how the airplane works. He has this huge conversation with her about, you know, his training journey and how he got to this job. Tells her about the importance of networking, which is what, you know, she had just started doing. And, and you know, gave her his business card and said, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to call me or send me an email. I'm happy to help you. And there are so many people in aviation who have that kind of mindset. Never, ever, ever, ever be afraid to go up to a pilot who's doing what you think you might want to do and start that conversation. Um, there are some pilots who are just naturally verbose, like me uh, or Carl, and they're just, they're going to come find you. You know, like, ooh, are you are you in flight training? What you, you know? And, and that you know, you might feel really awkward, but we legitimately care about what you're doing. There are other people who, I mean, they they have no no problem whatsoever with talking to you, mentoring you, coaching you. They just need you to tell them that you're interested. You know, and that's it. That's 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 the foundation of networking. Just never feel awkward about talking to somebody about the job because that's. It's like you said, that's how a lot of those jobs start. You know, it's interesting you brought that up because there's a, a story I like. I always like to tell, and I, I forgot about it, is the fact that by putting yourself out there and saying you're interested in this, then you never know who's going to help you. I had an instance where my first officer, you know, I was the captain, brand new first officer. I'm flying with her, and we talk about corporate aviation. I said, you know, it's something I've always wanted to learn more about. The corporate aviation I've done, well, you know, it's smaller planes. I've never been to a large jet operation. And I kept talking about it for, oh, gosh, about a day or two. And afterwards, she says to me, she says, listen, you know, um, by the way, my dad is the chief pilot for Johnson & Johnson. She said, would you want to come by and talk to him? I've already talked to him. He says, you can come by and, and find out what the uh, corporate operation's like and what it's like to fly there. It's like, you, I was like, wow, here this is my first officer just started off flying and is the person that's getting me in the door to a large operation like that. So you never, ever know who you're going to come up to, and, and who's going to be that, that next step towards your career goal. But, uh, uh, guys, I really appreciate this. You know, this worked out perfect. I had 45 minutes worth of material. We've only gone an hour and ten. Uh, normally, it Which would be ten. Hour yeah, hour. ten. So I, I think we've done a, we did do really well. Uh, if I have an hour of material, it usually goes two when, when I'm, I'm talking with Eric. But I'm going to have Eric on again. I think he's got some, some great insight, does, does a wonderful job explaining himself, and uh, much more articulate than I could ever be. And I, what I'd like to do is have you go out to Aviation Careers Podcast and look at some of those articles I talked about. Uh, at the bottom, I'll have links to them. I also uh, have a link to that article I talked about where uh, Republic Airlines is actually removing some aircraft uh, because of the pilot shortage. Another thing, too, I want you to look towards is episode 46, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 46. And that talks about the things you should not do during a pilot shortage because I'm seeing this happen more and more. And just from what people are saying to me today, it's it's pretty incredible some of the things that people are doing, such as not showing up for a training not showing up for interviews, uh, really, they, they're closing doors behind them that they don't really shouldn't be closing. So integrity is incredibly important. That's something that I, I get across there. Well, guys, I really appreciate your coming in here. And, and Eric, thanks so much. And I think Eric has uh, some information for us before we let him go about Polk State College, something I'm really excited about, and he's going to share with us a little bit of news that's happening and maybe also a little bit about the location we're in here. 
Sure. So I am very happy to finally be able to tell everyone that our um, we will be beginning a bachelor's degree program in the fall of 2014, just a, a few months down the road. And uh, it's a huge deal because there are no public institutions in the state of Florida that currently offer a four-year degree in aviation. Um, and because we're a public school, um, we have the ability to offer a very cost-effective option to you. Um, between other schools you may have heard of, you're looking at saving upwards of $200,000 by completing your degree here. You come out with the same degree and the same flight credentials. So I'm extremely happy to be able to, to be able to tell people about that. Um, and of course you have listeners all over the world, but, uh, for those who are interested, who are in this area, who are not, uh, you know, I would love to talk to you more about the degree and to tell you what it's about because I, I joke with people and say this ain't your daddy's aerospace program um this is we do things completely different here our bachelor's degree is completely different we actually built it with our other sister colleges who offer aviation programs and we hope that several more of them will be coming online with the degree very soon so that you have options all over the state of florida that are transferable so if you start your program here and decide you want to move to Jacksonville, that's fine. You can pick up your degree and carry it one for one, no transfer issues, and move it wherever you're going. So we're very thrilled with that opportunity and um, definitely look forward to uh, being able to serve people who, who need that degree but just can't justify the cost of it currently. And uh, we, we want to be able to, to fill that gap. And that's part of the move uh, here, which we sort of talked about at the beginning. We picked up the entire program and moved it across Polk County to the western side of Polk County to the Lake Linder Airport. Um, there are so many training opportunities that are available here. Um, we we still love Winter Haven. We actually still train in Winter Haven. We're we're in the process of building this program into a countywide program, not just a program based at a specific airport. Um, more on that later. Um, you'll have to listen to it the next episode to hear about that plan. Um, but uh, anyway, he has a new idea every week around here. But uh, So the cool thing about this location is we have a heavy maintenance facility right behind the building. So when we talk about aircraft systems, we'll look at flow charts and we'll talk about the way a hydraulic system works. But then you can walk across the street and get underneath a 737 with the guts ripped out of it and actually trace the hydraulic system from the reservoir all the way through the flight controls. So you know, it's it's experiential learning in a completely different way than what you may have been used to in the past. We're really excited about being able to offer this kind of training. Now, just to clarify, can anybody go to the school or just a state uh, resident of Florida? No, anyone can come here. Um, anyone from outside Florida can come here. You're going to pay out of state tuition. Um, but, uh, you know, Florida residents get a really sweet deal on tuition. Our tuition is ridiculously cheap. Uh, when I first When I first looked at coming here, and I saw what the tuition price was. The tuition for our associate's degree program in state is just a little bit over $7,000. <laughs> so you're just like, how is that possible? What's well, $110 a credit hour? I mean, it's, wow. but. Boy, then when I started, it was that much, and we didn't even have calculators yet. Exactly. You were still using the abacus, right? <laughs> right. Making uh, tick marks on a stone wall with a, with a rock. Um, yeah, it was back in Carl's day. Um, but, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. So this, this, this program has got a lot of really awesome benefits to it. Um, and I, I harp on the cost a lot because flight training is expensive. It costs a bunch of money to get into this business and early on. You know, you're not looking at a huge amount of money coming back at you. So, you know, we, we want to make the training as effective as possible in terms of what you can remember and how you can perform. But we'd also like for you to not have to auction off your liver to, you know, be able to conduct flight training. You know, you, you brought up a good point there, too, that flight training is really expensive. I know in the last episode, our guest mentioned that he was spending about $45 per hour uh, in flight training when he started off uh, when I was teaching him. 
What what is it costing nowadays to get into say a 172 per hour with a, with an instructor? A new 172 with a, a traditional panel is going to run you somewhere between 130 and 140 dollars an hour just for the airplane. Um, if you're flying one of the new G1000 equipped Cessna 172s, you're looking at 150 plus, um, depending on you know how it's equipped and how new it is. The problem the problem is not that. Flight training necessarily has gotten more expensive. It's the airplanes have gotten more. You're looking at a four hundred thousand dollar one seventy two right now, and I mean for most flight schools that's just completely outside the realm of possibility, um, and that's why many schools are still operating equipment from the sixties and seventies because it's just you can keep them flying and it's it's much more cost effective. Um, unfortunately, because of the way this industry works, and I think we talked about this the last time we talked, it's not just the airplanes; it's the insurance insurance costs and flight training have skyrocketed. And whether you're flying a 60s model Archer or a brand new Archer, um, you know, you're looking at, you're, you're looking at huge insurance because the insurance is a fixed thing. That's, you're flying a human being around and something could go wrong and that human being might get hurt. And the cost of that has just blown through the roof. And, um, and that's one of the things that we really try to combat. And that's why to a large extent we do as much training as humanly possible in simulation. Um, simulation equipment here at, at Polk State doesn't cost the students a dime. They don't pay to use our simulation equipment. They'll pay for the instruction they're getting from the instructor. Um, but rather than, you know, normally you'd still pay some type of equipment cost for using the simulator. What I found is that new students don't want to fly in the simulator. They want to go fly in the airplane because they have no idea how much money they're wasting. They have no idea how much they're not learning because it's just overwhelming. So in order to put that carrot in front of people's heads and say, okay, yes, you really need to use the simulation. We offered it for free. And by doing that, I mean, you're talking about 50 bucks an hour for, you're going back to the old days where I can teach you taxi. I can teach you radio communication. I can teach you the traffic pattern. I can teach you all the maneuvers basically, um, in a simulation at 50 bucks an hour, which is the cost of instruction. That's incredible. That's a great savings. Well, Erica, th- thanks for, for coming here and, and uh, ta- or thanks for talking to us. Uh, I'm actually in your office right now. And uh, hopefully you'll come on again. You, you have a lot of insight into into a lot of uh, what folks' uh, questions are and what I their will, answers are. I will agree to come on again if you buy me lunch. All right, I'll buy you lunch. Yeah, that that's uh, no problem. I, uh, I hope it's not a big lunch. <laughs> no, no. I had a big breakfast. You're lucky today. <laughs> oh, good. Well, no, I, I'll definitely do that. And, uh, you know, Eric's always fun to talk to. There's, you know, all the guests we have on the show, there's one common theme. Everybody's passionate about aviation. Uh, we do pick most people that, that just absolutely love this. Uh, I did on the last episode have someone that uh, is passionate about aviation but decided not to become a pilot. And uh, that's good. He found out what he liked in the aviation career, and that's what we do here at Aviation Careers Podcast. Remember, we're going to have people on the show that are mechanics and also flight attendants, and we do have some managers coming up and uh, actually somebody who uh, will – not a spoiler. It's a little spoiler alert, but I might be having a, a CEO of a, an airline that, that's going to come on the show, a former CEO, I should say, and uh, has some really neat insight into becoming a manager at an airline. Some really neat stuff there. If you have any suggestions for shows, please write us. And uh, also, if you have any comments, questions, anything, uh, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact. Uh, we'll answer it. I'll find an answer for you. We have lots of folks here at Aviation Careers Podcast that can answer those questions. Uh, also, if you are looking for a scholarship, we finally uh, have hired somebody to manage all of our scholarships. And uh, his name's Russ, and he's doing a wonderful bang-up job. You can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. And he's doing – he's actually uh, 
been putting out about one scholarship every couple of days, and we have over 500. As far as membership in the uh, podcast, Aviation Careers podcast, we have memberships available if you are looking for a scholarship. Right now, up to 60 of those scholarships are free. So if you want to see all 60, just register. You can see all those. Uh, we are going to continually be updating these, and this is a full-time job for us. We're not going anywhere, and it's a lot better than a lot of the uh, stuff that you see on the Internet because a lot of it is just links to websites. We do everything for you. We do the verification of every scholarship. We contact the person that is actually administering the scholarship itself, and we put it into a very simple and easy-to-use format for you. We also, because of Eric and his suggestion, we are going to have a searchable database, uh, searchable by date or by, uh, excuse me, by state, by uh, type of program. Say it's a flight training program, a mechanics program, and we're going to have the ability to actually draw down those those listings for you, and you'll be able to actually click on it and go out there and view it. So that's coming in the future. We're working on that right now. Again, folks, I really appreciate you coming here. We do have some contact information. It's easy to get us, aviationcareerspodcast.com. We're on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at, at Flying Careers. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We do post a lot of times uh, what we're doing uh, throughout the day. Another thing I want to promote for myself is another thing called Sun and Fun. It's an organization that uh, has an air show and also many different events throughout the year. And actually, Eric's a little bit involved with that there. And I, that's kind of how we got to know each other pretty much is through that. And also another podcast that I do is Stuck Mike Avcast. But one of the things I'm very involved with is Sun and Fun Radio. And I'd like you to go out and listen to it. Uh, there's some ma- many, many inspirational interviews we do with people throughout the industry and people that are doing aviation as as a uh, passion more so than just as a job. So if you want to hear some passionate aviators, you can go there. I'm going to let uh, Eric tell us how he uh, we can get in touch with Eric. Sure. If you guys want to reach out to me for questions or just to have a conversation, switch great aviation pictures back and forth, that's fine. You can find me on the Twitter at, uh, at C Eric Go S-E-E-R-I-C-G-O. Um, and from there, you can get to all the other stuff that I do. If you're interested in the program and you want to ask questions about Polk State Aerospace, you can find my program online at www.polk.edu slash aerospace. You can also find us on the Twitter at, uh, at sign Polk Aerospace. So I'd love to get in touch with you, whether it is about the collegiate program or whether it's about aviation in general, because I do have a sickness, and it is aviation, only cured, unfortunately, by more aviation. And that's true for me also. You can all, And what we'll do is we'll put all the uh, contact information for Eric out there. And I have that sickness, and it's only curable by more aviation. Uh, so we really appreciate your listening. And if you do have any comments, questions, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact. And uh, if you like the podcast and uh, you want to help contribute, uh, visit our sponsors. Also, think about becoming a member. Uh, there's paid memberships both at uh, the yearly and the monthly level. And that paid membership at the yearly level gets you actually two courses that we have. And uh, one of them is the Practical Guide to Winter Flying. And another one's called the Pilot Jobs Book. Well, again, I really appreciate your listening today. And think about one thing, one thing that you can do between now and the next episode that will put you one step closer towards your career goal. And if you do that, share it with us. We'd really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, 
Compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.